Animals are free until something goes wrong. Pets are pretty cheap. Uh, I, I realize this is the second podcast I've done on pets. Uh, I have six cats. Cats are important to me. Um, yeah, I mean, just my typical day is I get home at 6 o'clock and I get on the couch and I have cats all over me. <laughs> so <laughs> I love my cats. I will talk to anybody about my cats. Now, in terms of how much the cats cost... We figured it out the other day. I spent I spend about eighteen hundred bucks a year on cat food and about six hundred bucks a year on litter. So twenty four hundred bucks for six cats. So that's about four hundred dollars per cat. If a cat costs you four hundred dollars a year, that's not that much. I mean, even somebody making thirty thousand a year, that's it's really doable. So pets are pretty cheap. It's not a lot of money, you know. If most people can afford an animal. But that's not the expensive part of owning a pet. The expensive part of owning a pet is when you get the vet bills. And I got some vet bills a couple weeks ago, and it was expensive, you know. So let me tell you about my cat, Wendy. So Wendy, we adopted her in 2015, and she was living outside. So basically, a friend of mine who was a real estate agent, he he does like the low-end stuff, and he was showing a mobile home. Uh, out in this town called Loris, and he goes up to the mobile home, and this skinny calico cat comes running up to him, and he's like, hey, where'd you come from? So he goes to the neighbor, and he says, whose cat is this? And the neighbor says, well, that was the owner's cats, and they moved out and just locked her outside. So Wendy, she'd been hit by a car. She had this huge gash across her back. She was starving. She weighed five pounds, and my friend picked her up, Actually, you know who it is. It's Dave. It's the guy that I, you know, talk to every month on here. And Dave calls me up and he says, hey, do you want a cat? And he brings Wendy over to our house and we give her some wet food and the cat's freaking out. She hasn't eaten in days like she's going bananas. Now, we were in the process of moving, so we couldn't really keep her at our house. So I took her to the vet's office and I boarded her for a month and... They fed her and they fixed her up and I I used to visit her like every day for a month and she put on three pounds. When she got out of there, she was eight and a half pounds. She looked much better. Then she got up to 18 pounds. So the poor cat has these issues with food because she was starving and she never knows where her next meal is coming from. So she eats constantly. And she became an overweight cat, which led to some health problems. She got constipated. And that's what led to the vet bills. Three trips to the vet, getting enemas and deobstipations and all this stuff. And 1700 bucks later, she's fine. 1700 bucks. Now, I can afford $1,700. Um, some people can. You know, and this is a pretty simple problem. I mean, cats get constipated a lot, like in they they have to go into the vet's office and get an enema or something. And at a minimum of a vet visit is going to be like 500 bucks, 600 bucks. And a lot of people can't absorb that at all, you know? So the thing when you adopt an animal, it's not just the 400 bucks a year. It's really the medical care that the animal's going to need and over the life of that cat or dog, it's going to average about 10,000 bucks over time. 
over 15 years, you know, and a lot of it's going to be back end loaded. The cat's going to get old or they're going to get sick and they're going to get health problems. So, you know, I take, I take my six cats in for a checkup every year and it comes out to like 800 bucks, you know? So going to the vet is expensive. I think it's, I think it's cheap. I mean, the fact that we saved Wendy's life, like she was very, very sick and we saved her life for 1700 bucks, totally worth it. Would do, I would do it if it was 17,000 bucks without hesitation, without hesitation. There was one time I asked the vet, I said, what's the most that somebody ever spent on a cat? And they said, somebody actually spent $140,000 on their cat. And this person was so paranoid about the cat getting sick that they were constantly taking it in for scans and tests and x-rays and all these tests to make sure that there was nothing wrong. And the cat eventually just got old and died. <laughs> spent $140,000 on the cat. So... You know, sometimes I see these college girls and they're like, oh, there's, there's a cute kitten. I want to adopt a kitten. And I'm like, all right, well, first of all, it's not always going to be a kitten. It's going to be a kitten for a year and then it's going to grow up and it's going to be a cat. So, and second of all, this is a 15 to 20 year commitment. So you're 20 years old in college. You could have this cat till you're 40. You know, I think about that all the time. You know, we just got Stripe about a year and a half ago and Stripe is, I mean, I'm going to have him till I'm 63. You know, that's a very, very long commitment. So, and third, you haven't thought of all the financial implications, uh, you know, between the food and the litter and the vet visits and everything else, it's going to be $20,000 over the life of a cat. So but kittens are cute. I actually don't adopt kittens. You know, kittens are a lot of work. They're a lot of work. We got Tars when he was a kitten and he was a handful <laughs> to say the least. So I, I tend to adopt them when they're already well-behaved cats. But if you think about it, if it's $20,000 a cat or $15,000, I mean, with six cats, it's going to cost me $100,000 for these cats. That's a lot. It's a lot. So one thing I recommend, which I don't do, uh, perhaps I should. One thing I recommend is pet insurance which is a new thing. They have pet insurance now. And there's a bunch of companies that do it. The, the company I recommend is called Trupanion. I actually own the stock for a little while. Uh, Trupanion is the only publicly traded pet insurance company. And they do a really good job. Uh, and you know, a lot of people say, well, what about the claims? Is it easy to get claims paid? And I'm like, yeah, it really is. I mean, they pay it immediately. So the key is, is that when you adopt an animal, you know, when they're young, when they're a kitten or a puppy, get the insurance because the animal won't have any pre-existing conditions. If they have pre-existing conditions, then it goes up. The premiums go up. So you do it while they're young. So um, what else? You know, just talk about a car. It's it's funny, like these these hidden costs, you know what I mean? Like people say, oh, like a cat's cheap. You just got to buy food. Now there's a lot of hidden costs. There's a lot of hidden costs in buying a car. I mean, you might buy a new car that's $40,000. How much are you going to pay in gas and insurance and in maintenance a year? Probably five to $6,000, which means that over the course of six to eight years that you own the car, you're going to pay just as much in gas and insurance and maintenance as you paid on the car. 
you know? So a lot of people, they just look at the sticker price of the car. Oh, the car is 40,000 bucks, but there's, you know, it's cars have negative carry to use a trader term, right? They have negative carry. There's a lot of costs associated with owning a car. So what was the true cost of the pandemic? It's kind of an interesting question. Because we spent $3 trillion at the federal government level on stimulus payments and PPP loans and child tax care credits and stuff like that. What, what was the true cost of the pandemic? Was it the $3 trillion? No, the true cost of the pandemic was the $3 trillion plus the inflation that we are getting right now. We are still paying for that, and we're going to be paying for that for many years. You know, so if you buy a house, right, people say, all right, what's the mortgage payment? What's the monthly payment? Payments 3000 a month. Great. I can afford that. And then you forget that a house you have to pay for maintenance and averages about 1% a year. So you own a house that's a million dollar house. It's going to be 10,000 in maintenance per year. So again, people don't factor this stuff in and then they get surprised. So. I have this aphorism. It is uh, part of being an adult is having nice stuff and taking care of it. And it's funny because you know what makes bad neighborhoods bad? I mean, if you have a city with a bad neighborhood, you know what makes a bad neighborhood bad? It's because people don't take care of their houses. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like a weird thing because it's, uh, there's, it's a community thing. And if you live in a nice neighborhood where people take care of their houses, then there's like social pressure to take care of your house. Like you don't put the car up on blocks like in front of your house or stuff like that. Like there's this social pressure to take care of your house. And in bad neighborhoods, there, there is none of that pressure. People just let it go, which I think is really interesting. Um, there's a house in my neighborhood that puts up, Bernie Sanders signs uh, during the elections and it's the worst house in the neighborhood. Like they don't mow the lawn. Like the yard is like totally overgrown. They have weeds. The house is falling down and that's the house with the Bernie Sanders sign. So um, one thing I learned recently was that houses in Baltimore in the bad neighborhoods in Baltimore, guess how much they cost? They cost zero. Like they're essentially free. Like, I mean, they cost like, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. If you wanted, if you wanted to buy a house in the bad neighborhoods in Baltimore, you could get one for like 500 bucks, basically free and nobody's buying them, which is the incredible part. Like you, you would think that some real estate entrepreneur would come in like, oh, okay, we're going to buy these houses. We're going to gentrify them, whatever. Nobody even tries, right? It's kind of interesting. So you remember during the financial crisis, when you could look up houses in Detroit and they were trading for like 5,000, 10,000, stuff like that, those houses actually rebounded and now they're worth 150,000 or whatever. Like entire neighborhoods in Detroit have turned over. So one last thing before I go, I saw Top Gun Maverick and I mean, it's just good, clean fun. It's really, it's just a feel good movie. It's a great movie. Uh, it's a little, I mean, it's a little stupid. Like there's, you know, in the military, like nobody would steal a plane just for example, like, like it's not going to happen, but, uh, it is the happiest movie that I have seen in a while, you know, and it's really kind of a throwback. It's a throwback to like the late nineties when people were so happy 
and everybody people clapped at the end at the end everybody like clapped at the screen you know it was cool so now as of about a week ago it had made about 350 million at the box office the budget was uh 157 million so it actually wasn't like a super big budget um tom cruise is great we should really celebrate this guy's achievements this guy just does not age he's almost 60 and he's i mean i mean it's i don't i don't know i don't i don't know how he does it but i would have made a terrible navy pilot um you know, these guys are pulling like eight and nine G's. Yeah, not going to happen with me. I get I get motion sickness in a swing. So if Top Gun Maverick, the movie, if it's about anything, it's about competence. It's about being really good at what you do, being the best at what you do. So anyway, thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.